The following program is supported by the Community Broadcasting Foundation, cbf.com.au. Close your eyes for a couple of minutes. Just close and tight. And are you any less intelligent? Are you any less incapable? Oh, I'm getting emotional. It's really hard to talk about. When I would talk to people about me having autism, they'd look at me and they'd be like, you don't look autistic. Marie, why don't you want to go to school anymore? And I said, because Roger picks on me. Are you any less mobile just because you've got your eyes closed? And the answer is no. He doesn't look autistic. Oh, he'll grow out of it. Or everyone's just a little bit autistic or on the spectrum. We got that a lot and we get that a lot. And this is what happens is when young people like that are bullied, they don't want to go, they don't feel like they fit in, they're not being included. You know, we all just need to break down these barriers and stigmas and just all get along. I'm not that comfortable with saying I'm a dwarf, but that's up to me to say it. It's not up for someone to call me that. If you knew what autism is and the challenges that we face on a daily basis, you wouldn't be making such a bold comment like that. I think it comes down to misconceptions and misrepresentation. Don't label people, don't put labels on people. Treat each person as an individual, whether they have special needs or not. Each person is unique in their own way. Each person strives in their own way. Because I want people to understand the experience because then they can understand how to communicate with others, how to be inclusive and supportive of people who are going through limb difference where they themselves can't represent what they're going through. My disability does not define me. I don't have a disability. I have a different ability because I am differently abled. Prepare to shatter preconceived notions and misconceptions about disabilities with 2MFM's groundbreaking interview series differently abled. Be inspired by a group of individuals who are challenging stereotypes every day. Differently abled. Paving the way for a more inclusive tomorrow. Hi, my name is Samira and I was diagnosed with autism at the age of three. Tune in to Differently Abled on 92.1 FM. This series called Differently Abled will help those parents of those that are on the spectrum to understand their child and also those that are not very educated about those that are on the spectrum and to help them learn more about what autism is like, the challenges that people on the spectrum face on a daily basis.
when you hear the word autism, what's your initial thought? Maybe an older child, specifically a boy, yelling and kicking and screaming in the grocery store as his mother tries to hold him down, giving everyone around them apologetic looks. Maybe a high schooler who trails along behind a special education teacher, playing with stim toys, who doesn't seem to notice other kids are teasing him. Maybe a kid who flaps their hands and bites on their shirt and lets out random words in the middle of the class. If any of these examples were your first thought on what autism looks like, you have a long way to go. You would be peering through just a small peephole as to the broad spectrum of people who have autism. One thing is for sure, no two people with autism experience the world the same way. Autism is among the most poorly understood developmental disorders. Professionals still don't know what exactly causes disorders on the autism spectrum, and it can be difficult even for those close to someone on the spectrum to empathize with the autistic experience. But the most challenging part about autism is the judgment of other people. That has been the experience of many people on the spectrum. Throughout their life, from trips to the park as a toddler to restaurant visits, it's often the reactions of other people that really hurt. Hence, education, awareness, empathy and understanding is key to making the world a more inclusive place for people with autism. Today you will learn through the perspective of Samira, who was diagnosed with autism at the age of three. You will be getting a glimpse into what it's like to have autism and how the world appears through her eyes. Simira, thank you so much for accepting to share your story with us today. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, my name is Samira. I'm 25 years old and I'm a volunteer at the Muslim Community Radio and I have been so for over two years now. And alhamdulillah, it's been a humbling experience and a very amazing experience. I come from a family of three. I am the middle child and I have mild autism. So you were diagnosed with autism at the age of three, right? What were the typical signs of autism that you displayed? So the signs that I had before I was diagnosed were poor eye contact, repetitive behaviours with play, um, I also had limited interests. My mum would try to get me interested in playing with play equipment, but instead I'd be playing with the sand. And um, the obsessions that I used to have when I was young was being obsessed with my own reflection in the mirror. And um, I also used to put everything in my mouth, whether it be a pen, a collar, whatever, whatever you can think of, you name it. I used to put it in my mouth. I don't know why. I used to flap my hands and I used to have echolalia, which is repeating words that someone says to you back to them, which um, when somebody was speaking to me, I used to repeat the last two words of what they said back to them. You have an older sibling, of course. Did your mother notice that your characteristics were quite different to his? I mean, typically, Samira, all our children have different characteristics and personalities, but what set you apart from your brother specifically that made your mother realize that, you know, something was different? Well, I had a developmental delay and it took me a while to walk and talk. And um, I, was, I was also quieter and less active compared to my older brother. And um, 
I had limited vocabulary and understanding. And when I wanted something, I would point to things and grunt whenever I wanted them. Because yep. normally you would, normally when you want something, you say what you want. Whereas back then, that was before I could even talk. So you would point to something typically if you wanted it, as yeah. opposed to um, verbally telling your mum that you wanted something. Yeah. So it was the delay, developmental delay, that really raised the alarm bells for your mum. Because we know that autism wasn't as widely known 20 years ago as it is now. So did your mother suspect that you had autism right away or did it take some time before the diagnosis was made? So my mum knew I was different, but she didn't know anything about autism. The preschool that I went to, they suspected that I had autism because of a child that attended the previous year who was on the spectrum. They saw the signs of autism in me and they suggested that I go to see a developmental pediatrician. And when I went to the pediatrician, when I got the diagnosis, the diagnosis was based on an observation and via a questionnaire that my mum completed. And um, they also did psychometric testing to assess my development, my comprehension and the way I play. And did it take some time? Like was it a long lengthy process before the, the final official diagnosis was made? Because from my understanding, it takes years for you know some kids to be diagnosed um, yeah, maybe it took two, at least three years, a couple of years yeah. couple of years before the official diagnosis was made yeah. it's a quite lengthy process a lot of testing is implemented during that period how would you describe autism give us the closest description about what it's like living with it so autism is a neurodevelopmental condition that affects your social interactions such as not understanding social cues, poor eye contact, communication difficulties, forming friendships and emotional regulation, mm. such as controlling your anger, your emotion. And um, changing routine or what's expected can trigger someone to have a meltdown. It also causes um, sensory issues. You can also get sensory overload, such as not liking um, certain textures of food. You can also be sensitive to loud noises or touch. Like not being touched, yeah, not wanting to be hugged or anything. And I used to have that as a kid, but then um, grew out of with it. time I got used to it and I grew out of that mm. phase. Is there a way that you managed some of those symptoms or are there specific things that helped you manage through them throughout your life? Well, my parents taught me, you know, to get used to it. You know, it's quite interesting that you say that. And what a lot of people don't know about autism is that there are different types of it. Um, some are very high functioning, capable of doing normal schoolwork. Um, and there are those who are nonverbal, who have all kinds of neurological problems. So where do you stand on the spectrum? What type of autism do you have specifically? I have mild autism and I am very high functioning. Because I had a lot of early intervention after I was diagnosed, um, my parents took me to, well, my mum, rather, she took me to speech therapy and I also attended satellite classes before I went to kindergarten. What a lot of people don't realise is that early intervention is key. Um, you were diagnosed at the age of three and immediately after diagnosis, 
your parents or your mother specifically took you to certain classes and, and therapy to help intervene and to help you manage through your diagnosis? And how grateful are you that your parents, you know, gave you that support? I am very, very grateful. I'm beyond grateful even. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. So you mentioned, you gave us a definition of what autism is, Samira. But I want from your perspective, how would you describe, like what is the best way to describe autism? Each person with autism has a different way of explaining what it's like to have autism. But what's, how I would describe <coughs> autism is that autism is like seeing Seeing a world from someone from someone else's perspective, from a different perspective. So autism is that you see the world differently, differently. Yeah. to other people. That is quite interesting. No two people with autism are the same. People with autism share common differences in the way that they see, the way that they hear and feel the world. They all have different strengths. They all have different abilities and challenges which affect their lives in different ways at different ages and in different environments. Now, Samira, a lot of people are quite shocked to learn that a person with autism spectrum disorder can live independently as an adult. But in saying that, is it true that not all individuals achieve the same level of independence? Yes, it is true. Because there are some that are nonverbal and they never progress in life. And there are some that are able to live independently. And no two people on the spectrum are the same. They all face challenges, but some overcome them by getting diagnosed and getting early intervention. And some don't progress at all. So it all depends. It's very wide-ranging. Autism spectrum disorder is quite wide-ranging. And, you know, mm -hmm. we keep reiterating that no two people with autism are the same. But alhamdulillah, you have shown a great level of independence. What's, give us an example or one way that you are independent in your life. Um, I'm able to travel by public transport. I'm able to get around easily. So when you travelled uh, for the very first time, talk to us about some of maybe the challenges that you encountered, if any. Um, I had anxiety and this was just after high school when I started to learn to travel by public transport. And um, I remember I used, to go, I used to go to a place and, and they taught me how to travel by public transport. And I remember the first time was quite overwhelming and a bit scary. But then after the first time, I started, you know, getting over it. I was over it. I was like, I was like, why was I even anxious in the first place? That's true. Like, it's actually not that scary. No, no. I mean, typically for anybody who is traveling for the very first time, it can be quite scary, intimidating. It's a new environment. When I first traveled on, on a train for the very first time, it was quite scary because it's an unfamiliar territory, an unfamiliar environment. So you were able to overcome that through giving yourself that reassurance and telling yourself that it's okay, you know. And once you got the hang of it, things got a lot easier. So over time, I guess you got more and more confident with your traveling. Yeah. And when I used to go to TAFE, my my mum initially taught me where to go, like how to get to TAFE and that. And I remember the first time she walked me to TAFE. And then after that, with time, I got used to it. 
I also recently learned that you are learning to drive. Talk yeah. to us about that experience and how anxious you might have felt when you first started to drive behind the wheel. Well, the first time was quite a little nerve-wracking, more for my mum, because my mum was like sitting in the car in the back seat watching me. And um, she was more anxious than me. I was a little bit anxious and a little bit tense. And I remember the first time I learned to drive, like I was able to do a whole U-turn by myself without any um, assistance from my driving instructor. That's fabulous. And that gave you a lot of confidence, didn't it, that you'll do more than fine. Although, yeah, it took me a while to learn to drive. My parents... My parents kept trying to encourage me and I was scared. I was scared, to be honest. And it wasn't until I was about 24 when I got my L's. And um, I got my L's literally the first time. The first round. Because other people, they take take like three or four tries and they still fail. You're able to prove to everyone that you are able to succeed in anything that you put your mind to. Congratulations (laughs) to you on that great achievement. In terms of autism awareness, do you feel like it's growing and people are more aware or do you feel like there's a long way to go for people to understand truly what autism is like? I feel like there is a long way to go because not many people know what autism is and the struggles that people on the spectrum face on a daily basis. There is still, Samira, a lot of confusion around what autism is, what causes it, and how it affects people in very different ways. Now, I'm going to touch on some common myths that people have, and I want you to help us debunk them, because you Mm -hmm. are the person who has autism, and you're one of the best people who can give us or who can help us debunk some of those myths and misconceptions that people have. Now, let's first off begin with the assumption that many people have that being autistic or having autism makes you antisocial. Is that the case? Can social interactions be baffling for people with autism? Yes, social interactions can be quite baffling for those on the spectrum. However, Um, with the right interventions such as speech pathology and social groups, it can help them overcome the fear of social interactions and can help them become more social and teach them social skills. Absolutely. So speaking for yourself, are you confident with social communication or social interactions? Yes, I am. And you do seem like a very social butterfly. Um, mashallah, it's it's fantastic to see. I can you. also be socially awkward at times. Let's talk about eye contact. Uh, we know making eye contact is a common way many people show interest while having a conversation. Is that something you find challenging as someone with autism? Okay, so I struggled with eye contact as a kid, but then with time I got used to, you know, giving people eye contact when I talk to them. So is that something you learnt to overcome on your own or did you get any kind of support or therapy? Yeah, um, I, got, to help? I got support from my family. My family would always remind me to look at the person when I'm talking to them. Mm. So as a child, you wouldn't look directly into someone's eyes yeah. at their face? Yeah. 
Do you sometimes struggle to understand body language, facial expressions and gestures? I used to when I was a kid, but not anymore. So a lot of it has changed over the years and you've learned to overcome some of those challenges that you experienced as a child. And again, it comes back to those interventions that really helped you cope through those struggles. Do you constantly try to read everyone around you? Yeah, I try to understand people and the conversations that we're having. Another thing is like I have difficulty understanding sarcasm and sometimes like when people joke with me, I have trouble understanding that as well at times. So you struggle to relate to others? Like you find that it's not always black and white for you? Yeah, because my dad says I'm transparent. I'm black and white. You're black and white, yeah. But the way you see others um, is sometimes not black and white. Yeah. Um, Sometimes you struggle to read between the lines, as they say. Yeah. You struggle to see or to understand whether someone is shrubbing you off. Uh, You mentioned that there are some people with autism who do have sensory issues. Are you among those who have sensory issues? Do you have any hypersensitivity to sights, sounds, smells, especially bright lights and loud noises? No, I did not have um, hypersensitivity to loud noises. I was only sensitive to touch. I didn't like being touched or hugged when I was little, but then with time, my parents taught me that it's okay. How does it make you feel when someone hugs you? It feels like calming, it feels soothing. And is it an expression of someone, you know, showing love to you and appreciation to you and making you feel warm and and welcome? And Yes. When someone with autism is overwhelmed due to hypersensitivities to, you know, a lot of what is around them, they may experience a meltdown. So have you had to deal with this as a child? No. Have you had any meltdowns or anything like that? Yeah, I have had meltdowns like when... For example, when, like, I don't get things my way, I used to yell, I used to scream, I used to I used to snap. But that's not the case anymore because now I'm a lot calmer. I'm not as, not as aggressive as I was. Mm-hmm. Not so much aggressive, but, like... Intense, like you yeah. would say. You were quite yeah. intense with your emotions Yeah, um, when you were younger. But then um, after going to a psychologist, like, yeah. and... You know, her teaching me strategies on how to deal with my emotions, how to control my emotions, how to, like, not have a meltdown. Like, for example, my brothers, when they used to go in my room, I I used to go off at them because um, I had a mirror and they didn't in their room. Mm. I used to go off at them. I used to be like, what are you doing in my room? Mm. Then if you think about it, like, is it really worth it? Is it really necessary to have a meltdown mm-hmm. over something so small? So you train yourself to, to think positively yeah. and not react in the way that you did. And that's what helped you, again, manage through some of those symptoms. Yeah. Another frequent characteristic of autism is special interests, an intense interest or obsession with a particular topic. Talk to us about your special interests. What are your ambitions and hobbies? My ambitions is I love learning languages, which I'm actually learning Turkish at the moment. Mm. 
And I also love to travel. I love to explore new places. I love to go bushwalking. You love the seeing, outdoors. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've always loved the outdoors, even since I was a baby. I love going exploring waterfalls and, you know, I like being out in the wilderness with nature and just, you know, exploring my surroundings because well, it gets boring sitting behind these four <laughs> walls and doing That's nothing. That's right. That's right. And, and the world, life is short and the world is wide. Go out and explore. How has that helped you? managed through your autism? I mean, fulfilling those ambitions or participating in those hobbies of yours, how has that helped you manage through your autism? It's made me a lot calmer and... You feel more grounded? Yeah. Yeah. I feel more grounded and it's helped a lot. It's helped a lot. Like, um... And other hobbies that I also like, I like um, doing dot-to-dot and sometimes watercolour painting, which I actually started watercolour painting during lockdown. Mm. When a lot of people did yeah. become a huge niche and a lot of people have developed interest in... Yeah, paint by numbers. Paint by numbers, that's correct. Yeah. I've been singing since I was six years old. I don't sing as much as I used to anymore. Why not? Because I don't feel like I'm confident enough and my voice isn't like as developed as it was back in the day. Maybe because you're not practicing or rehearsing as much. I think you need to get back into it. Since you do have that vocal talent, I think it's really important to tap into that skill and work on it. It's just, you know, I need to work on my confidence. I need to work on Practicing more often. Yeah, you'll get there. You'll get there. Now let's talk about some of the stigma associated with autism and some of the the challenges you face when dealing with other people and their perceptions and the way they interact with you. Have you found that typically when people talk about autism, they focus on the deficits and not so much on the abilities? Yeah, because not many people are aware of what autism is. And that's why I've agreed to do this interview to raise awareness and to increase people's understanding and perception of those that are on the spectrum. What are some examples of inappropriate or insensitive expressions that people have used that made you feel quite uncomfortable? The first one that came to my mind was... When I would talk to people about me having autism, they'd look at me and they'd be like, you don't look autistic. How am I supposed to look like Rain Man or Temple Grandin? Like, seriously, what kind of a, what kind of a stupid comment is that? Like, the thing is, some people think that they are giving you a compliment. They're paying you a compliment. Yeah, it's more like an insult. That. They're saying that to mean that you seem so normal and put together that they would never have guessed that you are autistic. So for a lot of people, they don't understand why someone telling you that you don't seem autistic would offend you. Is it because it ignores how hard you try every day to overcome the challenges you face? Why does it bother you so much for someone to tell you that you don't look autistic or you don't seem autistic? It's like you wouldn't be able to tell if a person's autistic 
unless you know someone with autism that has similar characteristics. And you also have to be educated about autism. That's the thing. Yeah. I mean, if someone doesn't know anything about autism, you can't expect them to understand what autism is or if a person is autistic or not. There's certain language that people use that makes them feel down about it. And there's language that you would use that people with autism feel more included or seen. So for people who don't know how to refer to someone with autism, should they say someone with autism or an autistic person or someone on the spectrum? What is your take on that? How would you approach that? Well, I would use... I prefer using people on the spectrum, although I don't know a politically correct way Mm. to refer to those that are on the spectrum. So would it bother you for someone to say you're an autistic person? Do you like that label? You're autistic? Mm, Not really. But it doesn't bother you so? Yes. You would prefer them not to call you autistic? I wouldn't mind it. Oh, you don't mind it? I, I personally wouldn't mind it. Mm. But for other people, other people might not like mm. it because they're more sensitive. So what's the best way to approach it? Is it better to be on the safe side? Yeah, it's better to be on the safe side and not mention the label. Yeah, yeah. The like, wrong. for example, calling someone disabled. Yeah, or retarded or, or retarded. spastic. Exactly. It's. I mean, saying someone is disabled is less intense as, as calling them retarded or spastic. Yeah. That is a, that yeah. is a no-go Although, zone. Although, yeah. You may do things differently. You may react differently. You may see the world differently, but you are not limited. Yeah, You're, you're still right. able to do the things that every one of us is able to do. And that's what I wanted to talk briefly about, and that's in terms of participating in society. Has your autism hindered your opportunities of getting a job, or participating fully in society. Yes, it has to some extent because being me being on the spectrum, it's made it hard for me to go get a job, but I'm not saying that it's impossible. Mm. You're you're able you're able to you can do it. You can do it. But um it can be a bit difficult for someone to go get a job and be able to keep a job especially if they struggle with time management like me or if they struggle with being organised like me as well. Typically speaking, anyone who wants to apply for a job, there are certain challenges that they might have in the way of getting that job. And time management skills is a very critical part of equality that people should have um, in a workplace environment. So needless to say, you know, there are a lot of people that struggle with or without autism to get a job because of yeah. those uh, maybe qualities or characteristics. But is it more so about those features that you have or is it like the fact that you inform someone, um, that you, an employer, that you have autism, that they, okay, I don't want to employ you because you have autism? No. No. I'd want them to be more inclusive mm. and more accepting and more understanding and more empathetic towards those mm. that are on the spectrum. So have you tried to apply for a job and you felt that you were shrubbed off or um, refused participation because of your autism? No, 
it was it was more so because I didn't have any experience because mm. I tried to apply for jobs in the retail sector, but the retail sector because it's so competitive, and they prefer someone that has had at least two years of prior mm. retail experience. Yeah, it's like if you don't have that, it's like that's it. It's true. Yeah, they value experience a lot. Yeah, but how's someone supposed to get experience if, um, like, if you don't give them the opportunity yeah. to in the first exactly. place? And that's why volunteering is so important. So you've been a, a devoted volunteer of Tuam FM for quite some time. How has volunteering at Tuam FM helped you manage through your autism? It's helped with my social interaction, and it's been an amazing experience because I have friends that feel more like a family to me. And and has the station made you feel welcome? Yeah. Um, is it an inclusive workplace? Yes, it is. That's great. Alhamdulillah. What is your advice in terms of what workplaces can do to make environments more accommodating for people with autism? Um, they need to be more inclusive, more diverse. Um, they need to hire people, you know, that that have different, not disabilities, but like different, different capabilities. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whether it be someone with Down syndrome, someone with Tourette syndrome. Yeah. Um, there There's need a to lot be of more. Um, people who have physical um, impairments or disabilities. It could be an amputation and we need to make that environment more accessible and more inclusive for people yeah. with special needs but also giving people with special needs that opportunity to participate um, in workplace environments, giving them the opportunity to volunteer. And that's why volunteering is so important because through volunteering, you're able to establish that experience that you need in order to apply for a job. Mm -hmm. Now let's go back to autism and some of the misconceptions or some of the ideologies that people have um, we spoke about an example of um, someone saying to you, you don't look like someone who has autism. What are some other expressions that you have found offensive or people should steer clear from um, when interacting with you? Oh, there's a, there's a lot. There's actually a lot. Um, another one that I remember someone said to me was like, aren't we all a little autistic Explain to me a little bit about that and what they might have meant by that expression and what your take on it is. I'm trying to understand, like, what they mean by mm. it. But I personally feel like it's very offensive. It's like they're giving themselves the label mm. when really, like, like, if you knew what autism is and the challenges that we face on a daily basis, you wouldn't be making such a bold comment like that Absolutely. and that's why that's why I felt very offended of course and I'm sure a lot of people on the spectrum would be offended if someone said that to them another one that people tell me is autism is an illness they think it's an illness but it's not because an illness is like normally something you take medication for or you yeah you're able to manage autism by early intervention and stuff but they they do say that autism doesn't 
really have a cure. If mm. God wills for someone to be cured from a condition, then they shall be cured. Exactly. There's a cure for everything except death. What other expressions have you heard from people that should not be said? Some say to other people, I feel sorry for you. Like, why should you be sorry? Mm -hmm. Autism, like, it's not something that you should be pitying other people for. Mm. Just because, yeah, I know, it's it's difficult. Autism has its challenges. But, you know, you don't look down on them and, and say to them, oh, like, I feel sorry for you. You shouldn't be sorry because... Look, the way that I think of autism is I think of autism as a blessing but also a test mm. because God is testing me with this condition and he's testing how well I'm able to cope and how well I'm able to tolerate the hardships that are thrown at me. People also say you seem high-functioning, which mm. not many of us are high-functioning because there's different levels of autism and the severity is different for each person and no two people are the same some people also say you seem normal or you seem fine i am fine but it's like they're not trying to acknowledge the fact that i have special needs even though i may seem like a normal human being to them or i may seem fine you know obviously what they don't understand is the challenges that we face on a daily basis and the issues that we face on a daily basis. So that's why people need to be more understanding, more empathetic, and show the same kind of tolerance, kindness, and respect that you would show towards other people. And that's why we're doing this interview today, because yeah. we interact with different people around the world. And it's so important to be educated on how to interact, particularly with those who have special needs. And there are certain expressions that we should not use because it's offensive and it makes that person feel so down about themselves. They lose their self-esteem. Now, in that situation, if someone was to say something like that to you, how would you react? Would you be open to explaining to them, don't say that expression, or would you just ignore it and move on? I would, I would tell them not to say that because if they were to say that to someone else, they may they may get very offended and mm. they may say stuff like, why would you say something like that? Because mm. you might have thick skin, you know, you might be able to yeah, but tolerate, not, but there are some people who don't. Yeah. Some of us don't have thick skin. Some of us are very sensitive and some of us may cry mm. and feel triggered. very affected. Yeah, absolutely. What advice can you give us in terms of um, interacting um, with someone who has autism? Be more understanding. Try to learn about what autism is. Try to be more understanding. Try to be more empathetic. And treat them the same way you would treat other people, with the same kindness, the same respect, the same tolerance. And, of course, you know, you've got to be mindful of what you say because you might offend them, you might upset them. And you might hurt their feelings. Just because we're autistic doesn't mean that we don't have feelings. We're human, just like everybody else. And we have the same feelings. And some of us may be more sensitive than others. Absolutely. Very beautiful advice there. I value 
the advice and the time that you're giving us to explain to us what it's like to have autism and how to interact with people with special needs. What would your advice be to someone who has autism and going through perhaps some of the challenges that either you went through or you're going through at the moment? What is your advice to them in terms of coping? I would say it's okay to be autistic. It's okay to be different. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be alone sometimes because you learn more about yourself and what you like, what you don't like. And also, you know, you don't have to have a lot of friends, even if it's a small circle of friends, as long as they're the right people and they know how to treat you and they have respect Mm -hmm. and they have your best interests. Absolutely. It's not about quantity. It's about the quality of friends that you have. Yeah. And it's so important that you are surrounded by a positive environment and a positive circle of friends, of family. How important was it for you to have that strengthened family support throughout your years? You know, you mentioned that your family really supported you throughout your life from the beginning stages. How important is that? And are there some people who have autism who don't have that same level of support? And what are the repercussions of that? I had a lot of support from my family growing up. And whenever I had like anxiety, like for example, when I traveled by public transport, my parents would say to me, it's okay, take your time. Like it'll it'll take some time. And of course, you know, new scenarios and new environments can always be overwhelming, but Mm. you know, it'll take time. It doesn't happen overnight. And I think you mentioned something really important there. And that's in terms of, Patience. A lot of parents of children with special needs don't have that same level of patience with their children. They expect them to make progress overnight. And it's so important to understand that progress doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. And it's it's a great investment. If you find that your child is displaying symptoms that are unusual, from a young age, get it checked. Go speak to someone about it. Don't shrub it off because there's a lot of parents, Samira, who are quite in denial about their kids having special needs. But it's important to go get things checked and you are a living example of how early intervention helps you incredibly. Reaching the place that you are in today is a great example of how early intervention is a great path to helping that that child. You also didn't mention some of the educational pathways that you took after graduating from school. So tell us about some of the things that you studied. So I first studied business administration just after graduating high school. Um, I did Certificate 3 and 4, which I succeeded in. And um, I did Certificate 3 in travel at TAFE, which um, I failed in because it was very stressful. Mm. And that's okay. um, You know, we all fail from time to time. Yeah, Um, sometimes you succeed, sometimes you fail. That's right. You just dust yourself off and and carry on in life. And sometimes you might study something that you find it's not for you. And that's okay. You know, do something that you're passionate about. You know, life is short to sweat the small stuff. 
But what that signifies, I think, for many people is that people with autism can achieve great things in life. Yeah. You know, having autism doesn't limit you in society. It's, it's how you think, your perceptions, your mentality. That's what limits you, the way you think. So, Samira, talk to us about the kind of support that you received at school. Well, they gave me an individual education plan where some of the assignments were quite difficult, so they would modify it. And um, the individual education plan was customised to help meet my needs and my abilities as well as to help me progress to the next level. In high school, yeah, I had a special education consultant. She used to help me modify my assignments because some of the assignments that I had, some of the things that I had in high school was um, my education plan was modified and, yeah, my assignments were also modified and they were made a lot easier because a lot of the assignments I had in high school were quite hard. Mm. So that's why they had to modify my assignments and um, they also had to help, you know, make the environment more, like, in a sense... Um, like inclusive? Like yeah, a- yeah. In between classes, normally I'd go for a walk because, you know, my attention span was quite bad. I couldn't sit for long periods of time and concentrate. So you had the standard school hours, so you weren't given the opportunity to perhaps maybe leave a bit earlier or start a bit later in the day. Yeah. You had to come in um, during the same hours. But in terms of the intensity or difficulty of the assignments and exams, they were a lot less difficult than it was for other people um, based on your needs. Even when I was in year 11 and 12 when I moved to a different school, they put me in the support unit where I had three mainstream subjects and three life skills subjects. And with year 12 and before year 12 and the exams and stuff, like I'd only sit the half yearly, the yearly and the trials, meaning I didn't have to sit the actual HSC, which was more like considered a life skills HSC. Mm. Interesting. I feel like for a lot of people that would be even a better Option. A better idea, a better option, yeah. To teach people life skills yeah, um, is so important because a lot of people do lack life skills and social skills and whatnot. So you were able to successfully finish school. You went on to study at TAFE and you're volunteering at Tuam FM Radio. And inshallah soon you'll be getting a, a job, bi-ithnillahi ta'ala. Not only that, but you also are getting married. So congratulations, Samira. MashaAllah. <laughs> Thank you. Tell us a bit about that. How is it being in a relationship and getting married? What are some misconceptions that people have about people with autism and their relationships? Well, some people, they they think, oh, like, just because you're autistic, like, you're not going to be able to have a relationship with someone or a friendship. Yeah. But... That's not true. That is simply not true. Sure, it may be difficult, but it's not impossible. You just need to have the right support, the right... 
And when you have an empathetic and understanding and compassionate and educated partner, I think it, it simplifies it and makes it a lot more easier for you to navigate through that relationship. Yeah. Because there are challenges to, to all relationships. Two people having different personalities living together is a struggle. For him, I think he understands that you have autism. Yeah, he does. He's very supportive. He's very empathetic. And, you know, he's he's like my best friend and I can talk to him about anything. And, yeah. Alhamdulillah. It's definitely promising and it gives a lot of people hope that you can achieve anything in life as long as you put your mind to it. And yeah. congratulations. I wish you all the very best on your marriage. And I wanted to commend you, Samira, for taking the time to give us your perspectives, to give us a clear indication of what it's like to have autism and for issuing that really great advice, helping people who have autism navigate through their autism throughout their life and also help people understand how to interact with those who have autism. Thank you so much. It's really important for people to remember to always be kind and treat people the way you would like to be treated. Thank you, Samira. Thank you, Nadia, for giving me this opportunity. Don't look at me with pity Who I am I won't disguise I am really just a person Who has feelings inside Be a little sensitive And open up your eyes I know my world seems different But I can lead a happy life Happy life Happy life Being autistic doesn't make you any less of a human being. No, you are a human just like everybody else and you deserve to be treated the same as everybody else. Believe in yourself, love yourself, embrace your uniqueness because whatever makes you different makes you beautiful. Beautiful.